I'm Scott Abraham from ABC7 in Washington, D.C. You know who it is. Travis Thomas Experience. This is Eric Edholm of Yahoo Sports. This is Mitch Tischler. This is Al Galdi, and you're listening to The Big Douglas Show. All right, this is The Big Douglas Show. I'm Big Douglas. He's the rapper Big Poop. And our special guest today is a proud Washingtonian. Clinton Yates joins the show. Clinton, how are you? I'm good, man. You guys got me at work. Most of you all have probably seen my backgrounds at home and uh, my TV. So this is just me at in a, one of those like, you know, those like phone booths without a phone in it. You know what I'm saying? We got those here. So, so you, you probably been in several booths that look like that, right? Similar. <laughs> Very similar. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Clinton, I saw the piece y'all did on Sunday uh, for the undefeated. Uh, first, I wanted to thank you for not being one of those guys that wears athletic socks with his dock shoes or boat shoes. Oh, yeah. Nah, come on, man. Come on, son. I mean, listen, <laughs> if there's one thing I <laughs> take pride in, it's looking decent. All right. You know what I'm saying? I might <laughs> hey. not be that smart, but I know how to look good. Okay. <laughs> hey, the new, the new Jacks were doing that, and I was nervous. That was a thing. So I appreciate that. Also, my man got to sit in the big rattan chair. I think they had you on a stool, so I was disappointed in that. So let me talk about that for a second. First of all, I wasn't on a stool. I was on a regular chair. But those were all shot in the same day. I did not know that chair was available, nor did I see it. And so when the daggone broadcast came on, I was like, hold up. They got the Black Panther Africa joint out here? Where was that? You know what I'm saying? I was very highly upset. You know what I'm saying? But no, that was a great look for Freddie. He looked fantastic. It was just a whole vibe. So I was really glad to be a part of that. And um, it was fun. You know what I'm saying? A lot of these things, I think people think that every single thing we do with the undefeated is like a hardcore labor of love. And because the topics are so specific and often very serious, that things aren't fun to do. That was fun to do, you know? And a lot of these things are fun to do if you're working with, as you all know, creative people, smart people. So I was glad to do it. And thank you very much for, for tuning in. Yeah, no doubt. No. Oh, you can go ahead, Doug. I know you had a follow-up. You can go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm not, well, I just wanted to jump into some sports, you know. I'm, I'm, we got some big news. Well, I don't know if it was too much news today, but uh, Alex Smith, soon to be released by the Washington football team. Uh, just wanted to get your thoughts on their potential direction that they're going to go <laughs> at quarterback, <laughs> the most important <laughs> position on the field, uh, with, with his uh, pending release. Um, okay, so for those of you who don't know, I, I consider myself a former fan of the team only because, like, I just can't deal with everything they do. It's just it's too annoying. They're not good. They never have been. Well, rather, let me say it this way. The last time they were good, I'm going to be 40 in a month. I was literally there, 10 years old. I was at every single home game in 1991 and both playoff games. So, like, I know. You know what I'm saying? They ain't been nothing since then. Um, and real quick, Redskins Twitter came, or Washington football team Twitter came for Clinton. He talked out on the uh, on the uh, vice president, and they were very upset. Yeah, the Bambas ain't got nothing for me because they know that I've been around long enough to see all that. I mean, it's I mean, it's it's not like some big thing. It's like, yo, let's be real about what's happening here. You know, people root for teams for different reasons. Once, um. You know, once it became personal to me to the point where it was just like, I don't, first of all, I don't even like football that much, to be clear. Football is low on the totem pole of sports that I like. So all that aside, I just want to say this. For all of y'all watching, this is not personal. However, I do not care if that team wins or loses. The only reason I even watch football with my friends or even pay attention to that team is because all the homies I grew up with who still care and a lot of the people who have worked and work around that team. So that is of importance to me. I don't want to see them completely crater 
because that makes everybody miserable in my life from back home. That said, the Alex Smith situation, I think, is interesting because he did a lot of work to make sure that he could even get back on the field with his team. You remember him sitting up in the owner's booth all that time, sitting right next to Daniel, you know what I'm saying? So that by the time he came back, it was like, oh, we're going to play Alex. I don't think he should ever play for this team to begin with after that injury. That was dicey as a mug, you know, and I didn't like that just from a, a larger standpoint. So to hear him say they didn't want me seems a little disingenuous. I mean, I think what his point is, is that maybe his friendship with the owner didn't pay off as well as he thought, you know, um, mm. which is fair. You know what I'm saying? Like if he thinks, well, the guy who runs the joint told me that I was going to be here as long as I wanted. And then it turns out he seeds some power and the GMs or whoever is like, actually, you got to go. I can understand some tough feelings there. So I don't think he should be playing football, but if he felt like he made friends enough to stay and he didn't, there's some understandable, um, I don't want to say animosity, but a uh, difference of opinion there. Overall, though, I don't think that Heineke is an answer to any question. I mean, I think he's present. He's probably a fun guy to have around in the sense of where he came from. You know, he's one of those grinders who didn't give up on his football career and it paid off. But, like, you know, I walk into a season thinking, oh, yeah, repeat division champions with um, Heineke um, under center. So I still think there's a world in which they probably pick up a free agent quarterback. Uh, Cam Newton comes to mind straight up. You know what I mean? And I know that sounds like a sexy name and that sounds like, oh man, Dan Snyder throwing money at a bunch of other people, but like dude's available and he makes some level of sense. Like for once a large name actually makes some sense at a position, you know what I mean? To pick up. And I'm not saying that the camp wouldn't be open if you picked him up either. You know, you might as well just figure out who's going to be the best guy, but I think you need one more veteran quarterback to really feel like you have a confident offense in terms of who you're throwing to or who's throwing the ball to, to the weapons, weapons. For what it's worth, they could have had, had Cam last year. So I got a feeling right. Ron's not in on him anymore. That's fair. Uh, yeah. Clinton, one thing I know that you are into is NASCAR. So you got to help me figure that one out because I it looks like a bunch of cars turning left to me. So, huh. but I know right, you're into it. I know you're into this. it. So please help me out. So when I was about 20 years, 21 years old, I interned for. George Michael of the George Michael Sports Machine. Yeah, okay. Now, those of you who remember George, remember that back before Sports Center and back before House of Highlights and all this other stuff, the concept of like action-packed sports, you know, highlight shows was not a thing. You know, he was doing that ever since way back in the day. Music and crazy lines and all this wacko highlights and bloopers and all that. And NASCAR was a big part of what he did because he knew from a national standpoint, he had to appeal to a lot more than just the East Coast viewers, or even just the DC viewers. That was a nationally syndicated show. So having NASCAR on his program helped him gain a lot of ground across the world, excuse me, across the country. Um, that said, when you interned for George, here's what you did. You went into the uh, NBC4 office every, you know, whatever, twice a week or whatever it was, and you did what's called game logs. So let's just say I'm watching a game. It's got a time code at the bottom, and you write down every single play that happens in the time code. Every once in a while, they put you on a race. And I remember the first time I got put on a race, I watched, you know, five hours of racing. And I was like, this is actually pretty interesting. You know, like if you sit down and you start to understand how hard it is to get a car around a track for 500 miles, number one. Number two, you start to understand what happens with basically the pit crews and not just the sort of excitement of them running out and, you know, changing tires, but like what they're actually doing. And number three, the competition between the racers in terms of who they are and like where their personalities fit into how they drive 
I mean, it's interesting. There's no real other way for me to say that. You know what I mean? It's a league like any other. And if you care to pay attention to it, it can be fun. That being said, I don't know that I was necessarily an out-of-the-closet, full-blown NASCAR fan until they took down the Confederate flags. That was a huge deal for me because I've never been to a race. Like, understand that. I'm not one of these guys that's like, oh, you got to show up to the track just to understand what's going on. But I wasn't going to no damn tracks. You know what I'm saying? Not as long as that flag was anywhere in the in the in the in the vicinity. So I was just a guy that watched it on TV because I think cars are pretty cool. And once you kind of pay attention to what's happening, like I love baseball. Baseball is boring as hell. So NASCAR is not really that different in terms of like the same kind of thing happening over and over. But that's what it is. It's a league I like because I think the cars look cool. I think the way that they actually get things done is pretty impressive under high pressure. And you know. Great way to kill time on a Sunday afternoon every once in a while. <laughs> do you just uh, watch NASCAR? Or do you get into like Formula One and, and I don't the like drag racing? That, this is where my tastes actually do matter. Open wheel racing is not for me. I think that there's something about the way that like, I mean, if we really want to get into this, like I don't like short tracks either. And I don't like road race. I don't like road races in NASCAR. Like the, the rhythm and the understanding of how you get around the track is what drew me to it. Like, from a racing standpoint, the lines you have to take. I mean, this is hardcore, not really hardcore, but this is unnecessarily detailed NASCAR chalk talk, but they go too slow on road courses. And I just don't like cars that are weaving in and out. Like that's not cool to me. To me, the running of the race around the ovals is, um, is what I like. So no, I'm not a big F1 guy. I'm not a big um, like rally car guy. You know what I'm saying? I, I like NASCAR. Clint, I'm curious, you know, some of the shows you do, are so different, you know. Yeah. You've got the um, the serious stuff and around the horn stuff. What is the difference? How do you prepare to go from you know, like a really serious topic that you might be doing, and, and the the show is, I can't, I can't get the show right that you do around uh, OTL. I used to do OTL. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, then I think, notice, up, you know. Sorry. Go ahead. No, you're fine. Good. I think for me, it's a matter of like. I don't know how to say this, but like, to me, that's just, that's, that's, that's what the job is. You know, I think some people, at least the job for me, like I was a journalist who as serious as I might've considered myself, I was never there to be the serious person. So every opportunity I could have had to sort of make something more fun or make something a little bit more interesting beyond just the obvious is when I was going to take. So that's something that I try to bring on the air. You know, when you're writing about, um, you know, city hall or whatever down there at the Wilson building, you know, three days a week or whatever, like you got to find something to break it up between legislation, chalk talk. You know what I mean? You got to find a way to make it interesting to yourself. If you're not a full-time wonk, which I am not, I just happen to have some interest in some things. So that's kind of how I look at it. I sort of look at it like, you know how, when, I don't know, like you play basketball for your team, you play basketball in your neighborhood and then you maybe play basketball, like, I don't know, with your cousins or something. You've got to have a different approach to kind of all of it. You know what I'm saying? Even though you're kind of doing the same thing. That's the way I look at it. I played three sports in high school. So I, I, that, that ability to shift is something that early on was a part of who I am. And I try to bring it on the air because otherwise it's not, you know, like I said, it's not that fun. You know, if you can't have fun with the fun stuff, but in the serious stuff, you're probably going to take it a little bit too seriously. You know what I mean? Ultimately, especially covering sports, and this isn't some sort of stick to sports mantra, but in the sports world, like I said, you got to be able to have fun with the fun stuff. Otherwise, what are you there for? You know? Do you prefer one to the other? I would like to have fun as much as possible, but being black 
that's not always an option. You know what I'm saying? And so that's, you know, sometimes you just got to let folks know and not in a sort of confrontational or argumentative way, but like, yeah, I let people understand like, nah, bro, it's not what you think it is. I, the example that's coming to mind here is uh, Kyrie Irving. You know, when he first said, like, I don't want to talk to y'all anymore. And people were like, I can't believe this. I can't believe that. I'm like, yo, if a brother tells you to back up, back up. You know what I'm saying? Because, like, obviously he's upset about something. And so that's where I try to also bridge those two, which is that between serious and fun is, like, human. You know? And I think that for a lot of athletes and a lot of people around this business, the human side gets pushed too far to one or the other. Sometimes you're like, yo, it's a lot in between man you know what i'm saying you go to the grocery store and some dude's getting in your face in the parking lot that's a battle you might not pick you know what i'm saying but if you're at i don't know the salon with your daughter and some guy's disrespecting her in front of whoever friends you might knock that dude out you know what i'm saying like you got to pick your spots and i think that that's that's the hard part but it's also like what makes it challenging because otherwise you're just some person talking about sports like everybody else which is not as hard as it looks you know <laughs> Clint, I'm interested to know your thoughts on uh since you brought up Kyrie Irving. Uh Kyrie, you know, he said he's you know, he's done his thing this year, forget on the court, but off the court right. and uh taking his stances. And one of the stances he has recently taken up is the Kobe Bryant for the new NBA logo. What are what are your thoughts on that? I like that. Um, I liked it a lot when they named the MVP trophy in the All-Star game after him. I thought that was cool, but I think that. I don't know why people are so obsessed with the logo discussion. It's very interesting to me. I think that's like a newfound, excuse me, thing. I, it, to me, it started as like a, a sort of a bastardization of the LJ, of the LeBron versus Michael thing. You know what I'm saying? Because people were like, oh, they're going to change it. They got to change it to Michael. Well, what about LeBron? All right, man, you know, forget all that. You can solve both of those issues, I think, by putting Kobe's likeness there. I, it makes sense to me, you know, but... I think the reason why it probably hasn't happened or really the reason why the NBA has never officially said it was Jerry West in the logo, even though we know it all, all know it is because I got to pay somebody, you know what I'm saying? Like there's, there's legit licensing money that comes behind sticking somebody's actual likeness on a logo. And so there's probably some of that, some creative interests that are, that have changed there, but I would do it. I think, I think Kobe is a, it's a little convenient obviously because he passed and that seems a little weird. I understand that. And I don't mean convenient in that it's easy. I mean, convenient in that nobody's going to argue with you necessarily, right. but at the same time, I, I think that's, a, that's appropriate. I mean, for me, it, it doesn't, it doesn't strike me as uh, untoward, you know, or like advantageous because nobody really has anything to gain outside of the positive memories of Mamba. You know what I mean? There's, there's, there's no, there's no like cheap shortcut to doing that. I don't think anybody's going to be like, Oh my God, look at the NBA. They're back in our good graces. I just think it's a nice kind thing to do for somebody who's, who was an icon literally in the NBA for basically his entire career. Clinton, tell me why Harlem Knights isn't a better movie than coming to America. <laughs> coming to America is arguably the funniest American comedy of all time. I mean, I think, like, I think I like Harlem Knights better. That's fine. Harlem Knights. Okay, so here's the thing. Harlem Knights might actually be a better movie, but I think Coming to America is funny. Like, there's a there's a lot of, you know what I'm saying? Like, but you're also, I don't know, you're all older than I am. Like, Coming to America to me also has, like, a different cultural impact because of the fact that, like, some of the jokes I think people don't get that, like, you know, like, the notion of, like, half 
African prince coming to Queens? Like what? You know, say, come on, man. Like that, the whole premise is hilarious. You know what I'm saying? I was live tweeting about it the other day because it was on Freeform. And um, I'm actually really excited about the sequel. Are y'all excited about the sequel? Or no? Are you are you are you think they're gonna mess it up? I was I was gonna ask you about that, but I, I'm I'm kind of I'm approaching it cautiously. Uh I, I'm, Yo, I'm definitely gonna watch it. it come on. Did you did you see Wesley Snipes talking about how he auditioned to be uh, Daryl in the yeah. first one, but uh, Eddie didn't pick him because Eddie was like, "We're the same complexion," so it didn't work. Right? No, right, that makes, right, that, right. Makes, that makes sense. Well, because and here's the other thing about that movie that is a um that's a factor. Like the fact that Daryl is like light skinned but he's got the mm-hmm. curl too. That plays up against you know what I'm saying like the colorism that. Later in life, I realized how much that played into that movie. And it was far more impressive than I think. And that's the thing about coming to America. It's like the more I watch it, I'd be like, damn, this is fucking brilliant. You know what I'm saying? Not just funny. So I know I like it. I like it a lot. Are, are, you, more, are you more intrigued by the new coming to America or the new Bad Boys? Because both are released soon, right? You talking about Bad Boys 3? Yeah, it's out soon, right? No, Bad Boys, Bad Boys 3. Bad Boys 3. Yeah, it's been out. Bad, Bad Boys 3. 3. Is in fact, <laughs> no, you I've, been wanna, in you wanna, I've been in a time warp. You want to know a funny story? <laughs> Bad Boys, Bad Boys for Life, as it's known, is the last movie I actually saw in a movie theater. And I'll give you some bonus sprinkles on top of that. I saw it in Miami. Ooh-hoo. Bonus sprinkle number two. Number three, I saw it with Roy Bellamy of the Levitar show. Like, I hit him up and I was like, I'm going to be in Miami the weekend that comes out. Let's go see it. And we did. And it was awesome. So, I've already had my good time with Bad Boys for Life. That joint rocks. I was a big fan. Now that that had the best storyline out of all three Bad Boy movies. It really did. Uh, like it, it was made, the best storyline. It was it was, it was yeah. easily the best storyline. Like there's going to be another one, even if Martin and Will aren't in it, which I'm fine with. They can they can run that series for the rest of my life, Fast and Furious style, and I'll see every single one. <laughs> <laughs> the other the other the other one that gets lost, and I'm not sure why, is um is it Sugarland? It's not Sugarland. It's um. Never mind, I went in the wrong direction on that one. <laughs> I, had, I had left myself a trail of breadcrumbs and they and got eaten up along the way. But how early do you guys record those shows for the afternoon? So it's 1.20 p.m. Pacific time right now. I got out of the studio about an hour ago. So we tape it at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. Takes about an hour. Sometimes longer things happen, sometimes news breaks. So we have to reshoot stuff. Um, but, you know, it's a pretty, pretty well oiled machine. Aaron Solomon, who runs the show, and Josh Bard, one of the um, producers, you know, they, they're, they're great. Like, this is something that I think a lot of people don't understand about the way a lot of TV shows work is that the act of the talking is oftentimes not even close to the hardest part. You know, you've got to wrangle all those voices. You've got to make sure that things are firing and, you know, things are working well. And you've got to make sure that it's interesting enough from a topic standpoint to get everybody on board from an, from an interest standpoint as far as what we're talking about. You know, sometimes there'll be stuff that, like, all four people will be like, bro, I don't want to talk about this. You know what I mean? Which, for whatever reason, happens. But that show has taught me more about sports than I can think any of than any other experience I can think of simply from a prep standpoint, you know, they do a great job. And I don't just mean feeding lines. I mean, like being like, here's the information packet stuff for the day. You know, they're just, it's a great show. They, I, I liken it to being, and I've said this before, 
to being at the best academic school in an athletic conference. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's, that's kind of how I think of it. And I know that over the years, there's been stuff that I've never gotten close to using on the show, but just through the osmosis of learning has helped me in so many other parts of, you know, being a journalist and being on other shows. So I'm forever grateful to those guys um, and ladies who've been a part of that program because it's, it's fun to do on top of being uh, very popular. And that's not always the case. As someone who talks and covers sports for a living, yeah. do you find yourself following players now more than teams? As, as most casual fans just follow oh, teams, yeah. but... I mean, 100%, but that was also something that... I mean, the reason I liked teams, like I said before, was to hang out with my friends. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was never huge on, like... That's not true. When I was younger, like... Yeah, my, my week might be ruined if Brad Johnson threw two picks, you know what I'm saying, or whatever, you know what I mean, and it wasn't working out. But, like, I mean, dog, we're from D.C., man. Teams ain't winning no whole lot of nothing know-how. So, <laughs> you want to stay, stay sane, you, re, you realize quickly rooting for the players is a much better way to stay happy, you know, than otherwise. And so now – I was just telling somebody about this the other day. Um, like, dude – the Nats won the World Series. Like, I was literally sitting in the clubhouse when it happened. The Caps won the Stanley Cup final. I went to Vegas for that first game out there and was in the building game five when they won it. I was standing right next to Locker, as a matter of fact, when um, DSP scored that goal. Like, the Sticks won it. I was on the wood when that happened. Like, now, I mean, the championships that I care about have been won. You know what I'm saying? So, like, for me – it's much more about the storylines of the, of the, of the, of the athletes, because all of the things that I was going to cheer for, like they happen, you know, it's not getting better than that. At least not for me, you know, cause it was kind of the last bashing. I mean, these are things were only three or four years ago, you know, and I'm, I'm just old enough now where I'm like, yo bro, I don't really wear jerseys anymore. Cause I just don't, you know, and I'm definitely not a face painter. So that's out, you know, but I got my, I got my, you know, got, got, got a ring, so to speak, when I was still sort of young enough to have the energy to, act like I cared, which I did. But now it's very much about the players because those are the people I interface with the most. You know what I mean? Um, and, you know, you see, once you start covering, like, the youth game and you start seeing guys come up through the ranks and you're like, man, I really hope that guy succeeds, whatever notion of it his own, his or her own mind may be in that scenario. Yeah, that's a real thing because that's the human side I was talking about. You know, it's not just wins and losses. It's about what your life is like. And for a lot of these people, if their life sucks um, – yeah, that's not good, you know, because a lot of people, even though they get paid a lot of money and even though they have um, very high profile jobs, that doesn't mean that they love it. You know, and that's always interesting to point out to people because they assume that because you're playing a game, it has to be the most fun thing in the world. Not always the case. I'm curious because you get to see it on a national level. It's only been one year with Rivera, but how do you think the league is starting to look at Washington? Yeah, that's a good question. And I think that's as much about Jason Wright as it is anybody else. Um, you know, I sort of took a shot at the guy because I didn't really feel like he needed to be commenting on what was happening at football camps in South Carolina, personally, considering that's a get your own house together situation for me. But I do think that he's given a, an honest effort to try to restore some level of credibility to that front office. And Ron has been a big part of that. So when you sort of put those two things together between Wright and Rivera, I think a lot of people are willing to just sort of call the dogs off um, on dissing everything that they do. But, you know, I think a lot of fans of the football team want to act as if like, oh, well, forget everything that happened before Jason Wright. You're like, no, 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 hold on. That's not how that works, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is all still the same franchise. 
you didn't even have enough gumption to change the colors of the team. You know what I'm saying? Because it's too invested in the culture. Well, that's the whole reason why I should change because the whole problem was that the culture to begin with was the issue. So like do the math, you know? So there's a lot of things that I still have personal issues with, but I do think that most football fans for what is, pardon me, an irrelevant franchise are less spiteful towards their existence than they were before because there are people in outward facing positions that you want to root for, right? It's one of them. Ron, obviously with the battles in terms of his health and everything has been a heck of a story going forward. Um, and, you know, looking at what this season has been. So there's something to take pride in there that they haven't, I don't want to say screwed that up, but like that hasn't been icky to root for Ron, you know, which is, which is a good thing. So I see somebody's a Ron fan. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that's, 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 that's been a good thing overall, you know, and I, like I, I've, I've said this before, I'll say it again. Daniel M. Snyder is the problem with that franchise. I think it starts at the top, you know, and as long as he's not in the headlines, that's a win for Ash Bernstein for sure. I'm interested on your take on uh, the, the situation that happened in uh, Minnesota with the Timberwolves. Was it last week, week before last with the, the way the coaching hiring kind of take took place. Uh-oh. Um, you know, it's, it's already a lack of diversity in coaching hires yeah. in, in, in major sports, but just the way that kind of all went down was was really, um, I don't want to say it never happens, but I've never seen it happen in my 41 years on earth, the way that went I was, down. I was watching, um, you know, hold up, we're about to stand back. We're about to switch in. Number two. I feel like I'm too close to the damn screen. Anyway, um, <laughs> okay. Much better. Okay, so I feel like I was watching. Did you guys watch Inside the NBA that night? It wasn't Ernie, um, Shaq, and uh, it wasn't the usual crew. It was the it's guy. Like, who, uh, I think Shaq is the only one who stays on like Shaq Tuesdays. Stayed, right. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it was Candace and Dwayne and the other young man who takes over Ernie's job, who's really good, by the way. Yes, like he is. Him. I can't remember his name, but he's excellent. Anyway, so Dwayne, Dwayne, I'll never forget this. Dwayne. They went to Dwayne and he just said, I don't want to talk about this. Like, he was, like, so hot that he, like, you know, Dwayne Wade, he, you know, he doesn't have to answer to anybody. He was so upset that he didn't, he didn't even want to discuss it, you know? And I was like, damn, you know, because he was just like, this is obviously a problem to the point that, you know how, like, sometimes your parents are so mad at you, they're like, we'll talk about this when we get home. You know what I mean? Because, like, they ain't going to be – what I have to say is not for everybody to hear kind of thing. And that informed me all I needed to know because – it's not even about necessarily each individual. I mean, it is, but like, you know, if, if, if longtime NBA veterans, Hall of Famers, champions, Olympians, all NBA players, as in a player who was an all NBA player, are that miffed about it to the point that they don't want to talk? Obviously, there's a problem. You don't need somebody like me to tell you that. You know what I'm saying? And well, one doesn't need somebody like me to tell you that. And that was all I needed to know. And I feel bad because obviously the NBA is a, it's a small league in the sense that everybody knows each other to some degree. And if people are that upset, you've, you've, you've messed up, you know, and that's, that's too bad. I'm surprised that's that, um, that flip son had the job as long as he did, to be honest, secondarily. Um, but you know, I mean, discrimination and hiring practices, like, you know, check your watch, man. That train's never late, bro. <laughs> You're out in California now. That's because of the undefeated or because of ESPN. Is the undefeated? Well, I, oh, I, I know, saying, this, but is the undefeated located out in California? No, I just chose to move. <laughs> That's what happened. I was like, you know what? I, I started coming out here 
matter of fact, speaking of Dwayne Wade, the first time I came out here and said, I, I think I want to move here was when I covered the ESPYs when they did the, um, the cold open. You remember it was Chris Paul, Wade, LeBron, and, and Carmelo. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I was, I, that was the first ESPYs um, red carpet I had ever been on. And I had gotten a, uh, I'd gotten a, gotten a tip that was going to happen. Actually, that was the second red carpet I ever been on. I got a tip that that was going to happen. So I got to interview some people about it. And so by the time it went on and we were there, I was like, oh, all right. So I wrote a column about it. And I was like, kind of like this. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, middle of the day, like, get to do every. I mean, I don't need to sit here and espouse the, the pluses of a West Coast lifestyle. But, yeah, I made a life decision to move. And thankfully, because of the fact that I do a show like Around the Horn where it's from all over the country and because uh, I had a re- relationship with a lot of people out here at ESPN 710, the radio station, you know, it made, it made, it made some level of sense. I just had to, had to do it. Got out here, though, and then the world fell apart. So thankfully, I did it when I did. <laughs> I know you got to love them uh, games ending early on the West Coast. Yo, man, uh, I mean, it's like it's like half the draw. It's just it's just a, it, I mean, and. The, the real honest God truth about that is that like for somebody like me where watching the games is literally important. It's not just like, you know, a hobby. It's just my job. There's a, there's a definite quality of life balance situation that helps, you know, which is that like, yeah, all right, well, if I got to be watching all these games, I don't want to be up till two in the morning every night. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just not, I mean, I'm too old for that crap, basically. You know what I mean? And so, um, you know, it was helpful in that sense. I definitely watch more sports now. You know what I mean? Um, because it's easier. It's not easier. It's more doable, rather. And um, I'm happy for it. You know, I was gonna, I was gonna be end up in a. I don't even know what was gonna be going on with my heart rate. You know what I'm saying? If I bring <laughs> thing up that way, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's not even. It's not even. It's not even really doable now. I mean, I can't even imagine being up that late watching games anymore. Like that would that would drive me crazy. You know, but it's all good. So happy there was a there was a mixed response. Uh, about the announcement that Greenberg's going to do the draft. Were you surprised by that? You think they uh, missed wait, an what? opportunity to get younger? When they announced that Greeny was going to do the draft, were you surprised they didn't take an opportunity to get younger there? It was mixed NFL reactions. Draft? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm not, I'm not speaking out of school here. I'm not acting like I know this. But, like, no, you are surprised yeah. by who, who wants to do what. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Every once in a while as well. Like, you know, I mean, that, that that's a lot. That's the draft, and I say that because – that's a credit to everybody who does the draft hard fucking gig straight yeah. up. You know what I'm saying? Like you've got to be as well versed about both sides of the ball, just from a on field standpoint, Never mind all sides of like the recruiting world to some degree. I mean, obviously once again, everybody helps each other prep and so on and so forth. And the NFL team is probably the most robust of all of them um, at the network. But like, yeah, man, you sit up on that stage for eight hours. I don't know if I could do that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care what the daggone job was. You know what I mean? That's, that's not easy. And so what I'm saying is that, sure, you might pick somebody else. You might want to go somewhere else, but you don't don't necessarily know you got anybody who wants to and can do it. You know what I mean? And so that's, that's, that's not easy all the time, you know? And um, so shouts to Greeny for that, because that is a haul to say the very least. I was in, um, I was in uh, Nashville when they had that, Uh, they had the draft there, you know, by the way, if you don't know this, so the first three years that they did the draft, the first year was Philly, Chicago, Chicago. Am I right? Yeah, where, where they changed it. Yeah, Philly, it was outside. I think, it was, I think it was Philly, Philly or New York. Yeah, and I think it was Philly, and then it was Chicago, and then it was Dallas. 
And each one of those, um, oh, there goes Sedona. Um, each one of those cities had about 200,000 people who came to town for the draft that weekend total. Nashville had 600,000, meaning as many as the three previous combined were as much were the amount of people that were in Nashville for the draft. So what I'm saying, like, it's a big job is what my point is. You know what I mean? And it's not getting any smaller. So I was not surprised that Greeny did that because he's a pro's pro and, he, you know, he sure. can handle that stuff. Glenn, do you see yourself eventually one day uh, doing the show like Sports Center or something of the sort, or do you prefer the kind of role you have where you can talk about social issues as well as the sports side of things? Um, you know, I came up through – I wasn't like a TV person coming up. Um, you know, I think a lot of people sort of – for those who don't know about sort of the business, you know, for a lot of folks – the way that it is now in terms of journalists being like, Oh, I write. Oh, I talk. Oh, I'm on camera. That's not, that's newish, you know, for, for lack of a better term, you know, not everybody was doing that. Um, because not everybody was taught that way. You know, I remember back when I was in college, I went to Miami, Ohio. I specifically did not want to be a journalism major because I knew that was going to pigeonhole me. And I was like, nah, I'm good on that. You know what I mean? Like I wanted, I mean, I wanted to do radio more just because that's where my mind was. But like, I figured I could learn how to write. I don't need to, be a journalism major in order to do that. And so the reason I bring that up is because there's certain shows that are very, very like straight up TV oriented. You know what I mean? Um, so when I think about my friends like L Duncan, you know, who have been banging it out in TV markets for their whole careers, you know what I mean? Because that's what they do. They are literally the best in the business at that. Shows like SportsCenter are not even on my radar because that's not who I am. You know what I'm saying? I'm just a dude that happens to be able to put together some coherent sentences. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's that's a totally different thing from being, like, a full-time host for a flagship show. That's not even the same job. So that's not that's not me. You know what I'm saying? That's not what I'm going to be doing because I don't – I'm not – that's not my skill set, never mind my interest. Um, I, I'm not saying I wouldn't. I'm just saying, like, Hosting Sports Center was never why I got into any of this, nor was it part of what I thought was going to be what I was good at either. So. Clinton, I appreciate the time today. We could have done yeah, this man. all day. Great. No doubt, man. How are y'all? So what's going on with y'all, man? Well, tell me something new. What's, what's, what you get into this week? <laughs> Just agonizing over wizard defeats. and uh... Bro. Bro, can we talk last, about that game last night? First last of all, night, that last first of all, four seconds. Oh my Russell god, Russell Westbrook cut to the damn basket every once in a while instead of standing out of the three point line. Number two, Bradley Beal, if he's out there, do not pass him the ball, shoot the ball. I did not understand that. Number three. How do you turn the ball over in that situation underneath your own basket? I mean, underneath the other basket. That's crazy. And number four, Scott Brooks has to call a timeout when Beal's trapped has in the corner. Has to call I, a timeout. I don't, I don't get has, it. Has I'm to like, call. After, after all that, you deserve to lose that game. I mean, that's a deserved L, in my opinion. If all that goes wrong in the last 30 seconds of the game, you're not there to win. That's no, that, that was that was, that was was absolute. I, I, I thought Scott Brooks made two errors last night. Mm-hmm. That was um, not coming back with Mo Wagner. In the, it's like he'll he'll play him and then he'll go missing. His rotations and, are a mess. 
always been the best. <laughs> always been the best. <laughs> That's a whole other discussion, but yeah. But not coming back with Mo Wagner when uh, Theus started getting loose from the mid range, right. and then not calling that timeout uh, when Brad got trapped under the basket. I, I, those were two egregious errors on Scott Brooks' part. Under the basket or in the corner. You know what I'm oh, saying? There oh, were two. They, they didn't have one. They didn't have one when he was in the corner. They didn't have. I thought one they did got, though because I thought that they still had that one. No, uh, they called they called that last time out after the Jason Tatum. Oh, after the fall. Okay, right, right. Yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah. Scott, yeah. Scott, Scott. Listen, I'm not blaming every problem with the Wizards on Scott Brooks. That's that's a little cheap in my opinion, but like it ain't helping, man. You know what I'm saying? He's not the kind of coach that's good for a bad team. And there's a lot of coaches that are like that in the NBA. If you got talent, they can coach. That does not that doesn't mean they're bad coaches. It just means that like some guys are not wired that way. And I think the Scotty is one of those guys. Like if he has a better team, he's a better coach. This team's not very good. Sorry. <laughs> hey, and, and for and for what it was worth, it was Sugar Hill that I was trying to think of. I was going to ask why Sugar I Hill is better than New Jack City. What a great movie that gets no it gets no credit. Great movie that gets no credit. I love Sugar Hill. My best part, Mark Dubay. <laughs> Sugar Hill's a great movie. Great movie. Uh, yeah, great uh, movie. But well, thank you, Clinton. We appreciate know, you. Man. Appreciate it, man. Send me the links and everything comes out and I'll tweet it out and so forth. So, All right, yes, man. We appreciate you. All right, gentlemen. Have, have an excellent afternoon. Be safe, y'all. You do the same. Peace.